ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋ ಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯ ಕರವಾವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾಭಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಾಂತಿ 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 so uh, going through the last week's format uh, let me just share my screen in a second we are doing 12 to 15 right today am i right is it 12 to 15 yes rajesh yeah 12 to 15 okay okay correct you're right <laughs> I'll just share my screen. <clears throat> Can you see my screen? Yes. Yes. Okay. Echaiva Sattvika Bhavaha so the the tra- translation goes as the three states of material existence uh, sattva rajas rajas and tamas are manifested by my energy they are in me but i am beyond them so a is whatever cha and eva certainly satvikaha in the mode of goodness which is sattva bhavaha states of material existence rajasaha in the mode of passion uh, tamasaha in the mode of ignorance cha and a whatever mattaha from me eva certainly iti thus tan those vidhi no na not tu but aham i teshu in them te te mai in me okay so uh, verse 13 ತ್ರಿಭಿರ್ಗುಣಮೈರ್ಭಾವೈಹಿಗತ್ ಮೋಹಿತ ನಾಭಿಜಾತಿ ಮಾಭ್ಯ ಪರಮವ್ಯಯ ಸೊ ಡಲ್ಯೂಡೆಡ್ ಬೈ ದ ತ್ರೀ ಮೋಡ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಮಾಯಾ ಪೀಪಲ್ ಇನ್ ದಿಸ್ ವರ್ಲ್ಡ್ ಆರ್ ಅನೇಬಲ್ ಟು ನೋ ಮೀ ದ ಇಂಪರಿಷಬಲ್ ಆ್ಯಂಡ್ ಎಟರ್ನಲ್ ತ್ರಿಭಿ ಬೈ ತ್ರೀ ಗುಣಮಯಿ ಗುಣಮಯೈ ಕನ್ಸಿಸ್ಟಿಂಗ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಮೋಡ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ದ ಮಟೀರಿಯಲ್ ನೇಚರ್ ಭಾವೈಹಿ ಸ್ಟೇಟ್ಸ್ ಎಬಿಹಿ ಆಲ್ ದೋಸ್ ಸರ್ವಂ ಓಲ್ ಇದಂ ದಿಸ್ ಜಗತ್ ಯೂನಿವರ್ಸ್ ಮೋಹಿತಾಂ ಡೆಲ್ಯೂಡೆಡ್ ನ ನಾಟ್ ಅಭಿಜಾನಾತಿ ನೋ ಮಾಂ ಮೀ ಎಭ್ಯ ದೀಸ್ ಪರಂ ದ ಸುಪ್ರೀಂ ಅವ್ಯಯಂ ಇಂಪರಿಷಬಲ್ <clears> 
श्लोक फोर्टीन दैवी गुणमयी मम मया दुरत्यया मे प्रपद्यंते माया मेतांतरंतिते my divine energy maya consisting of the three modes of nature is very difficult to overcome but those who surrender unto me cross over it easily daivi divine he certainly yesha this gunamayi consisting of the three modes of nature mama maya god's external energy duratyaya very difficult to overcome mam unto me eva certainly ye who prapadyante surrender mayam etam this maya taranti crossover te de shloka 15 namam duskruti no mudah prapadyante naradhamah mayaya pahruta gnanah आसुरं भावमाश्रिता those ignorant of knowledge those who lazily follow their lower nature though capable of knowing me those with deluded intellect and those with a demonic nature i think there's something wrong in this uh, maybe i'm i'm mistaken okay let's go through this na not mam unto me duskrutinaha the evil doers mudaha the ignorant prapadyante surrender nara adamaha one who lazily follows one's lower nature mayaya by god's material energy apahruta nanaha those with deluded intellect asuram demoniac bhavam nature ashritaha surrender i think it's correct i mean, i i got confused with another one yeah. rajesh i think the reason is uh, this shloka does not explicitly call out for anywhere Yeah. The next shloka confusingly enough starts with chaturvida bhajante mam and then there are four kinds of good people correct. so that's why you probably got confused correct, correct, correct. correct the translation is correct but the word four kind is not explicitly mentioned in the shloka correct 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 okay um so we are doing 16 and 17 also right today no only till 15 only till 15 okay that's cool because okay. i thought 16 will have uh some discussion i think so that's why i stopped it at 15 so you stopped it at 15 because yeah. you, okay cool that's fine all right so i apologize for bad chanting today my voice is a little not modulated no it was very good it was good all right so last week uh, and uh, uh, you know just to quickly summarize last week uh, the key points uh, i i'm going to wing it for last week because i did not listen to it again after we uh, finished it so i'm going to wing it a little so um, the most important thing that we uh, discussed in the last week is the uh, analogy of the uh, string of pearls and we discussed about what is a string what are, what are the pearls and then we also um, discussed a different analogy which is the string of flowers 
where some of us found it a little bit more easier to understand the flowers analogy a little bit better than the uh, uh, the pearls analogy. And uh, there, uh, uh, the entire uh, string of pearls or string of flowers, whatever it is, it is basically the entire the world of Maya. And uh, uh, there were two things that we talked about. One is that the entire world of Maya is held by the string together. But all the things which are in the Maya are not on the string. They are just you know, it just the, the the string passes through all of them. And there was also another interpretation where we said that it is the string which manifests itself into different parts of uh, the the uh, uh, the uh, the garland or the or the string of pearls. So we talked about both both of those uh, topics last week. Uh, then. Uh, We also talked about, uh, you know, uh, some of the uh, highlights of what is there in that particular Maya in terms of how do you understand that particular string. So he talks about, uh, you know, that he's the uh, taste in water and he's the light in the moon and the sun. He's the syllable Om in all the Vedas. He's the sound in ether and uh, the, uh, the uh, virality in men. Then he also talks about the that, uh, that particular uh, uh, you know, uh, string of string is expressed in this world as the sweet fragrance in the earth and the brilliance in the fire, the life in all beings, and the austerity in the austere. Okay, then uh, he also goes on to say that you know whatever that you see here, I am the seed of all those beings, and the intelligence of the intelligent, the splendor of the splendid, and the strength of the strong, devoid of the desire and attachment. And that was the shloka that we stopped by. Where, uh, where he, after he explains each of the, let's say, uh, uh, good things, like Ajay pointed out, only the good things in, in this particular shloka, not necessarily the bad things uh, that we see in this universe. He says that uh, uh, I am the strength, of the strength of the strong, devoid of the desire and attachment. So, Kama Raga Vivarjita, without any uh, desire and attachment, I am that strength. So it has got no qualifications at all. And then we had some discussions about how can one have that kind of a quality which is not attached to doing good or doing bad. It has to be attached in some fashion, which is what I guess in the next slokas that covers. So I'm going to pause here and you know open up for the discussions here. So we are, we are opening up for discussion from verse 12. No, on the current current set of slokas, what we are covering, right? Yeah, 12 to 15. Yeah, 12 to Didn't we do 12 last week? No, no, no. No, we didn't. Okay. I 
So I just was uh, thinking um, verse 12 uh, on page 506 and he says whatever states pertain to these three natural temperaments of the heart and the head they all rise from the self. Um, is, that, is this a reference to Prakriti or is it uh, is it something different was what was going through my head when I read that. Um, so uh, somewhere else we went through that uh, these three gunas are part of Prakriti, isn't it? Uh, and uh, everything in Prakriti is a combination of various proportions of these three gunas. And that's what uh, here he says, they all arise from the self and actually Prakriti itself comes from the self. So therefore, I think this also makes sense, but am I missing something or interpreting it uh, incorrectly was what I was thinking about. I think your interpretation is right. If you remember, Krishna was talking about uh, uh, religion. Uh, uh, he was connecting it with Vishnu Sahasranamam last week. He said, Vishwam Vishnu. Okay. So Vishwam is the entire universe and Vishnu is that material principle that pervades uh, the, the word Vishnu means pervasion, basically. Okay. Yeah. So the sentence, basically, when you read read in that, he created the universe and then he entered into it. That's what it means. Basically, basically it's pervaded in the entire thing. And yeah. whatever has been created is no different than what he is. Yeah. So it is, it is uh, just extending... Right. One of the stokas also talks about the lower nature, right? Talks that all this, those five elements and uh, the mind, ego, and uh, mind, intellect, and ego together form the lower nature was one of the, this thing, right? Um, so, and uh, here he talks about these three gunas. Uh, and then he says, is it is it uh, right to infer that Maya is the lower nature of self? Yes. Yeah. That's how I have understood it. Okay. Cool. Yeah. In, in uh, Shloka 13, you know, when, when when he says that, you know, it is the three gunas uh, deluding our, uh, when uh, hiding uh, are coming in the way of knowing the God, I can understand that from Tamas or Rajas. What is the right example of Satvik guna also um, playing a role in hiding us from knowing the God? I can think of a couple of examples, but uh, I'm just trying to see which one is the right one to 
articulate maybe somebody else can start off Satya, I missed it. Sorry, can you repeat it? Actually, I was just <laughs> was trying to read something between Hindi and English. So sorry. So he, you know, in in thirteen, um, mm. uh, you know, the, you know, he talks about deluded by the modification of the three gunas. You know, yeah. we we don't understand the God, right? Or we don't understand yeah. uh, Brahman. Um, so I can understand from the tamas and rajas playing a role in. Yeah. Uh, by way of, uh, uh, I mean, we know how it uh, hides us from the God. So right. what is the right example of a Sattvic Guna also hiding us from knowing God? So uh, Sattva, they say, is also an hindrance because just knowledge itself. See, Sattva is knowledge. But if we try to get into knowledge of science and all, which is not the knowledge of self, the knowledge can also be represented. Sattva also represent knowing anything else also in the in the transactional world. So that will stop us from so so just ha having an um, you know desire to know things doesn't necessarily mean that it will take you to know self. So in that sense, and the second part is. Uh, even if you become very sattvic and you think that you only want to do uh, dharma, even the punyas will bind you because to get the benefits of punya also, you'll have to take uh, a birth. So at some point, you have to let go of sattva also. Otherwise, being right, you'll become a god, meaning demigod, devatas. So you will reap the benefits for a longer time, but eventually you have to come back to a Manusha Yoni so that you know you can have the exit path. So Sattva also binds. Doing good things also binds. As Vivekanand said, right? You may be bound by a gold chain. You're still bound by it. <laughs> okay, so, so for mortals like us, or, you know, where... You know, if if all three are not to be there, so I mean, I mean that's not possible, right? I mean, we have to live Pura our things. life. Huh. Uh, so it has to be. We have to uh, uh, basically, you know, do it through the attitude of karma yoga. Is that what it is? Like, you know, right. I don't own up anything. Uh, right. I mean, I, okay. So even becoming a good person shouldn't be the the driving Goal. force. It is to help somebody else, not to appear as a good person. So, so that way. So, but but as uh, Kishore keeps saying, right? If you are very tamasic, then some action would help because that means you are a lazy person. So, some action will help, and then the action needs to be done in a sattvic way. But then eventually, yes, without expecting anything back. So, yes, you're right, saying that karma yoga is the way. So. Okay. Well explained, Alpana. Thank you so much for that. I, I was also thinking of similar thing only, right? Like, uh, you know, if there's a desire-driven action that we have, you know, let's say that you want to uh, buy something because you really wanted that, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. You can go ahead, but then you'll have to enjoy the fruits or or the ill effects of whatever that, that you go ahead and buy. 
so it's a it's a calm it's a activity that's driven although there's nothing wrong there's nothing uh, uh, tamasic or uh, rajasic in that it's a right legitimate thing you still have to deal with the consequences of it and then uh, when you do things out of with the karma yoga attitude where you say that okay i am doing this because i'm just an agent in in buying this home or in in buying this car or whatever and i'm you know it's not my car or it's not my home right when you when one truly has that attitude then you know whatever happens to that particular object that you have bought okay it's probably beyond even sattvic quality then you're living the life of uh crew karma yogi or sanyasi there where you are not saying that this is my home in i mean of course on papers it will be your home but in your mind it's not your home actually um um you know in uh, vt's book i think there's a very nice uh, you know explanation right it says that um, maya's cosmic ignorance and it is because of this maya that we separate the universe and brahman we say brahman is the cause and the universe is the effect okay but essentially brahman is everything there is no existence without brahman right so that's what maya does to you so again going back to this analogy of projected screen and the movie right the good characters and the bad characters that you see on the movie is the sattvic rajas and tamas right but the brahman is actually the screen itself right uh so 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 basically what uh, chinmayananda says is you know if you were to focus on the screen there is no picture but if you focus on the picture then you don't see the screen so that's the quandrum you know that's a dilemma that we live in yeah but satvik rajasik and tamasik satya just to answer your question i think those are the characters that is being played out on the movie the picture right and uh, but the true cause is the brahman and without the brahman there is no movie yeah right so that's how i've understood it yeah yeah ashish yes so to answer satya's question just just going back to 2.45 where bhagwan says three guna vishay veda nistre guna bhava arjuna so uh, there it is directly being said that uh, you have to go beyond the three gunas which means the satvik guna also and uh, uh, drawing from uh, one of swami spg's lecture i believe uh, where he was actually explaining uh, some uh, talk or uh, book by some some other monk of uh, his order uh there he he said that if you are uh, like the three three gunas including the satvik one actually binds you uh l- let's say for example if you are uh if if you are uh, involved in karma yoga also there, there is a danger that you you might become too too activity focused like it's it's always uh 24 by 7 you want to do something and uh, if you are uh, uh, too uh, 
too en engrossed in doing worship all the time uh, there is a danger that you you might become very emotional uh, and uh, uh, similarly about uh, raj yoga yeah you you might become too rigid like very rules driven and you you might get stuck in that so uh, if you are not able to do something at a particular time or if you are not able to follow your routine it it might bother you actually instead of freeing you up it might bind you so um, and uh, yeah and this this one is from something else i i heard i think from swami a like if you are too goody goody then then you start pointing out to the other people that they are not good like or they they are doing something which is against dharma or against uh, so uh, that th those are the tendencies which might come up as so we have to go beyond that um, so that that's that's how what came to my mind like you will have to go beyond the satvik guna also in pursuit of uh, the real brahman not to get stuck up in any of those including satvik guna thank you uh, ashish actually it is good that you pointed out to 2.45 because when i, I referred back the, referred back i think it probably quite nicely uh, sums up the question what uh, sakubai were asking right if you look at page 128 it talks mm -hmm. about you know uh, uh, at the bottom bottom paragraph what you if you read right nitya satvastha nitya satvastha ever established in purity the purity sattva the subtlest of the three gunas often becomes impure by its contact with attachments and consequent agitations so that's that's how it kind of you know gets attached and uh, becomes you know impure and then when you go to page 1 1 uh, 130 i remember right yeah 130 then the 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 paragraph what it says said right, it starts the persecutions of the pairs of opposites the instinct to be impure the desire to possess and the anxiety to preserve all of these belong to the ego center so basically the even the sattva doing good also belongs to the ego center okay which is born when the self identifies with the body mind and the intellect and the consequent ego suffers the pangs of anxieties pains and sorrows and the next paragraph is a clue to what uh, uh, the trick what bhagwan is saying right to detach ourselves from these by keeping a constant sense of awareness of a pure divine nature is the path shown in the gita I don't know if it makes sense, Sakuba. Yeah, I think. But if we, I mean, I mean, it makes sense. But you know, the uh, I think I, it got answered with uh, you know Alpana's answer itself that you know that if you, I mean, if you do that, I mean, whatever uh, satvic activities that you do, and if you do it with a karma yoga attitude. Uh, that i am not doing it you know uh, i'm only an instrument i think even this attachment or getting uh, impure by the other two gunas 
also should not happen actually. I mean, may happen, but it should not happen actually. Yes. Yeah. That's why I feel, you know, sometimes karma yoga is probably very easy. At the same time, it's very tough because it's an attitude again. It's not what you do. Mm. And maybe, you know, that's a good segue why Bhagwan is saying, okay, if you don't, if you don't understand Jnana and you don't understand Karma Yoga, let me take care of everything for you. And then he's starting chapter seven again. I think somewhere later also, I think chapter 14 or 16, uh, we are going to go more deep into gunas, right? Yes. 14. Yeah. Okay. There's a full chapter, Gunatre Vibhaga Yoga. I don't remember the chapter number now. 14. 14. 14, 14. Okay. Yeah. And then 16. But then even after that, there is the gunas yeah. will continue after 14. Yeah. yeah. Now going back to the discussions yesterday on the NCRT books and, and, uh, and the content, right? I think gunas are like 99.9%. So the entire Bhagavad Gita should be <laughs> at least that much percentage should be attributed to it. <laughs> yeah, Krishna, uh, go ahead. Yeah, nice segue into gunas. Uh, so I just want to present very quickly this uh, one slide. I thought it was... Uh, let me see if I can... Can, can give me a second, like continue the discussion. I'll figure out how to present the screen and then maybe I need to make you. Uh, I think I probably oh. will need to make you uh, co host, otherwise, I don't think you can present it. Ah, I see. Okay, I can send it to you by email and you can. No, no, I made you co host. Just see if you can present it now. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, hello. Okay, sharing anybody can share then. No, it depends on the meeting setting. So you can set up if anybody can present or only hosts can present. So okay. because I think this is uh, Kishore's yeah. official one, right? So he hasn't set up some of these things for everyone. So, however, uh, Sakuba, your question is uh, valid. But here I thought he was referring to the general prakriti, not our acts alone, right? That it is everything is a combination of these three gunas uh, rather than, you know, we ourselves, um, you know, uh, what, what do you call adapting ourselves to a particular guna? That's how I was reading it, but. Uh, yeah, what you make, what you said is also good interpretation. Actually, if I may just add, actually, in the first paragraph itself, uh, the, the purpose of this particular shloka is that don't doubt that, that there is something beyond the gunas. That's the underlying uh, message of this one. That, uh, that even if you are not self-realized, you should be convinced that there is something beyond these gunas. So that's the, uh, that I think is the underlying message of uh, Shloka 13. Correct. 
Are you able to see my screen? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Ah, okay, cool. Yeah. So this is uh, thanks much to Sridhar for the amazing connection uh, between 327, 713, 328, 714. Uh, for mortals like us, I had to put this visually to see. He can see it from his Jnana Chakshushu. Uh, we need to see it physically like this. Uh, but this is just amazing, right? Like, so 327 and 328 is, of course, Alpana's uh, favorite shloka as well. So 327 is Prakrite Kriyamanani Gunai Karmani Sarvashaha Ahankara Vimudatma Kartaham Iti Manyate. So everything is done by the Prakriti uh, Gunas. And with the Ahankara, the deluded person thinks that I am the one doing it. And 328 goes Tattva Vittu Mahabaho. So know the difference Guna Karma Vibhaga Yoho, Guna and Karmas. Guna Guneshu Vartanta Iti Matvana Sajjate. That Gunas will interact with Gunas. That is its nature. So don't get attached to it. And then in 7, 13 and 14 that we just uh, chatted, again it is the uh, three Gunas doing all these uh, things. And it's extremely difficult in 7, 14 for us to cross. And only by surrender to me you can. So if you then go down, uh, the mapping goes 327 is Avidya. That we do not know about it. And then 328 is Maya. Likewise, uh, 713 and 714 is the same mapping. Again, Avidya and Maya. In all of the cases, just as like we uh, just segued from, it's all because of the Gunas. And in uh, 327, 28, uh, Bhagwan like labels this person as a Vimudaha. And then here it's a Mohitaha, deluded. One, there is ignorance. Another, a strong call for uh, being deluded by this ignorance. And then the solution is also given by Bhagwan to. And in the first pair, 327-28, iti madhvana sajjate, don't get attached to it. And then uh, in the 713-714, mameva ye prabhatyante, surrender unto me, only then maya me itam tarantiti. You can cross this delusion. So I thought it's like a very beautiful uh, mapping wow. between the two. So I put this. <laughs> this is amazing, uh, Krishna. In fact... I was actually thinking that, you know, I'll have to spend some time to look at what Sridhar wrote and, you know, do research, yes. but now this is solved. I had a question for you. You know, how in like in 328 and in 3714, why have you written as a main reason as Maya? I did not understand that. Oh, um... So uh, I, can, I can, yeah. Please, go, okay, ahead, go, go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead, Krishna, otherwise. I was about no, to no, just no, please that out. So, so Maya is at the Samashti level. So that is saying from the Ishwar's perspective. So Maya is referring to Ishwara because Ishwara is saying Guna Guneshu Vartante. That's why I do not get attached. And 327 and 713 are more ahankar, ahankar driven. So they are driven by Avidya, which is our current Sharir. So, so uh, 27 and 13 are referring more to our ahankar because of which uh, in one case, we are deluded. In the uh, in both cases, actually, Vimuda and Mohit, Mohitaha, right? So, because of the, uh, it is saying from the perspective of the jiva, and hence avidya. Whereas the other two are what then Ishwar is, uh, Bhagwan is trying to tell us. So, from his Maya perspective, that's why it is Maya and avidya, the two uh, differences. That makes a lot of sense. Thank you, Alpana, because. This slide is so powerful, actually. It is. It is, yeah. And I was Brilliant. also thinking, Avidya, uh, 
Maya, avidya causes Maya. Avidya causes Maya. So that there is this um, connection. Hmm. Avidya of Maya, rather. Sorry. Yeah. Avidya of Maya. That's why I said. Avidya of Maya. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Both are avidya. <laughs> yeah. Yes. 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 Absolutely. It's just that yeah. in case of Ishwar, we don't call it avidya because yeah. he's uh, sarvagya. We should call oh, Vidya okay. to come join us this sessions. <laughs> <laughs> so, Swami B calls it as prescription, I mean, diagnosis versus prescription. <laughs> <laughs> it is the uh, the the poison with the cobra is Maya, and even a drop of it is going is enough to kill us, which is avidya in us because of which we are suffering. So yes, yeah. that's yeah. right. So uh, one other question, maybe uh, uh, Krishna and Alpana help me understand this. So in these four, uh, I mean, this is so beautiful, like beautifully articulated here. So in these four shlokas, are we saying that, uh, uh, are we also saying that, you know, I can interpret this as 3.27 and 7.1, 7.13 is at an individual level and uh, uh, the Maya is uh, expressed uh, at an individual level in these two in the form of avidya. And 3.28 and 7.14 is the, is the Maya expressed in the form of you know the 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 uh, jagat, the universe. Is that how I should interpret it? Not just jagat. My feeling is, I mean, it also includes the jivas. Yeah, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. Then yes, absolutely. That's why okay. it is more macro, and the other one is macro. More okay, got it. Yeah. Kishore, uh, Krishna, will you please post this? Yes, yeah. I will uh, share the slides. I'll make like a screenshot and then yeah. share the photo as well. So I think I think it can definitely be expanded upon to be more clear. But I just quickly threw this together today morning to, to be able to visually see and read this. So. It's beautiful. Thank you. Sridhar gets the credit for this. I joke with him. He and Professor VK keeps trading the trophy for cross connections. <laughs> That's why I gifted him VK's book. <laughs> that, you know, one person who would really enjoy that book is him. <laughs> and he said, oh my God, this professor is taking connection to a different level. I need to up my game. And, and now, yeah, they're both. Now he goes beyond Gita. So it's Brihadaranyak Upanishad. <laughs> so it's, it comes from all Vivek, Chidamani, Kavali Upanishad, everything yeah. now comes together. And if I get a one-on-one -on -one message from you know, Sridhar, I know that my one hour is gone. <laughs> now, actually, I, uh, just on that note, uh, I read uh, Professor VK's book, Paramacharya on Saundarya Lahri. Oh, that is uh, just mind-blowing, that book. Uh, I, again, like knew only that Adi Shankara wrote it and it's a book on the Divine Mother. That's about it, nothing more. But the way he explained, uh, of course, it's all Paramacharya explaining. So first of this is like the first time ever, even though I respect, I lived in Tamil Nadu, Kanchipura Mahapariva is like kind of God to everybody there, but uh, never read any of his works. So this is like the first time I am seeing the, the breadth and depth of First of all, Paramacharya's explanation and then Professor VK's translation is like having read Taspe Krishna, it's like almost as if he is speaking because you could see the same perfect translation, nothing lost in that. And then, of course, the connection that Periva makes between Saundarya Lahri and uh, Lalita Sahasarnamam, 
with Gita and with all the other things, it is just mind blowing. It's whole another level. So strongly. Well, halfway through it, but it, it is. I completely echo your thoughts. It's yeah. like just at a different level. Beautiful book. Yeah. Which one, Sandar Lahiri, you're talking about? Yeah, Paramacharya on Saundarya Lahari. So it's like a series of about 15 lectures that Paramacharya gave over many years. Yeah. And uh, yes, yeah. And then Professor VK translated it to English. Uh, the beautiful part is he will talk about the color spectrum, white, black, red, and then uh, Big Bang, evolution, chemistry, and all that. And then it will take you a second that Einstein relativity, he speaks every single thing. And then it will take you a second to realize he's talking in 1930s India. That's just like, again, mind-blowing. <laughs> awesome. Anyway, I think like one thing to add, uh, I really liked Ashish's point of Trigunya Vishaya Vedaha Nistraigunya Bhavarjuna. I think that needs to be connected here as well, like as a uh, into the slide as like one last yeah. common thing um, that Bhagavan says transcend all the three gunas uh, because the Vedas talk only about that. So I think it's a beautiful uh, solution, online solution. Yep. And we'll update if required when we come to 14. <laughs> I had also posted a slide. So, I mean, if anybody has anything very specific to these shlokas, then we can go into that. Otherwise, just wanted to highlight that those two words. Um, and it comes out more clearly in the Hindi uh, version of the same Holy Gita. So, you posted in the group, Alpana? Yeah, I had posted one slide there. Upadhi versus Visheshan. Oh, okay. Oh, I didn't understand the context. No, so that's why, no, no, I posted it there, but I I, mean, I meant to discuss it in the. In can the, you project it, Rajesh? You can. I yeah, have yeah. it on the mobile. I don't know how to project it. Uh, I, I don't have WhatsApp on the laptop. Uh, I can pronounce I can. if you want. Let me uh, do it. Alpana, this came at two twelve a.m. So <laughs> last minute, no, no, last no, minute, I no time to read. It is, no, no, no. I actually meant to present it, but I so that I remember. I otherwise sometimes forget. So I just sent it here that I will add that. So in the explanation of thirteenth uh, shloka, actually in the mm -hmm. Hindi version. He uses the word upadhi, and that's where I thought that, you know, I should. Whereas in the English translation, it just says that similarly identifying with the Maya products. So where he's used that identification, uh, he's used in Hindi book, uh, the term upadhi. So uh, upadhi and visheshan, these two are very, uh, uh, very important concepts to know in Vedanta. So what is the difference between upadhi and a visheshan? So visheshan is adjective and upadhi also helps identify, you know, amongst so many things. If you want to identify one thing, uh, it helps in that. And visheshan also does that. So what is the key difference between the two is that visheshan includes the uh, revealing factor. So if you say black cow, 
And if you want the black cow to come to you, only the cow cannot come leaving its black colored back. So that's the that's a vitiation. That whatever is the revealing factor, it's not in, excluded from the entity in terms of uh, what can come to you or what you can transact with. Whereas upadhi, the difference is that the revealing factor is, it can be rightly excluded. So if you think of an example, Dandi Swami, you know Dandi Swami who used to carry that uh, danda. Um, but if you ask a Dandi Swami, Dandi, dand they carry is not to support them in walking, but it is a, it is more of a, uh, that they've given up everything and the only support they have is that danda. So uh, if you want Dandi Swami to come to you, he can actually leave his danda behind and just come because what you're referring to is just the Swami. So, so that's the key difference. And why is it important is that, uh, that then there's another example which, which I have given that you can think of uh, moonlight. So moonlight is the light that comes from sun, gets reflected by moon and come to us. Now, there are two ways to say that one is moonlight upahit chandra, where the chandrama is the upadhi, is the, is the title from which we are seeing that light. And then the other one is moonlight vishisht chandra. So all those who don't know that moon doesn't have its own light will call it as, you know, moonlight includes the moon because it's the light is coming from moon. So, um, so, so this differentiation is important when we say our antahakaran, whether the consciousness is referred as antahakaran upahit chetan or antahakaran vishisht chetan. Antahakaran is our, uh, the mind intellect that, that for the, the internal component that the internal tool that we have to identify anything. So when we claim as I am, how, how a jnani will claim I am is with the thought of upadhi. Whereas when we claim I am, we include the whole body and the mind complex. Then, so we are using it as vishation. So only thing that is required is to move from identifying anything with anything as inclusive of our individuality to identifying with everything just as an upadhi. So that's a key transformation that needs to happen within us. And hence these two terms are um, they may appear to be, you know, why are we going into it? But the more you read Vedanta, these two things will become clearer that at a lot of places, Upadhi is used. Not, and as an Ajnani, at most places, we use it as Vishesha. And that Amazing. is the meaning. Yeah. Beautiful. That beautiful. So I thought I'll just introduce these, that where he's referring to Maya se utpan upadhyon ke saath. So what he's saying, the Maya products, identifying with them. If we identify with them as an upadhi, they will not impact. But if we identify with them as visheshan, then they will impact us because then they're part of us, meaning part of our identity or 
yeah, extended identity. Yeah. So, so you have to take an analogy, Alpana. I mean, not analogy, but reality in a way. That is the way we see it. We still associate ourselves with the Maya side of things. Correct. We think when we Maya think about who is, Maya. Yeah, we relate to, to, the, to it as, Yeah, correct. So we are taking it as vishesan that I and mine are me. Whereas the whenever we say the Sakshi, Sakshi is actually without identifying it as part of me. But but the nice uh, addition to this is that you still need the mind to claim that I am. Correct. But we still use Correct. the instrument of mind and intellect. And we have to use this instrument to claim, but we have to know this difference to yes. know the claiming. Cool. Absolutely. Very cool. Hey, uh, Alpana, pardon my this thing of Hindi. Upadi is uh, matter or material out of which something is made, no? Uh, isn't that? No, no. Uh, that is uh, Nimitta Karan and Upadan Karan. Upadan is the material with which it is made. Okay, okay, okay. Not Upadi. So, Upadi so is title. You're saying Upadi's identification is what you're... It's more like title. We also say as title as Upadi. Okay, okay. And Visheshan is descriptive, description or adjective kind of a thing, is it? Yes. Yeah, okay, okay. So and when we say adjective, it includes the, the thing, right? Like the black cow or oh, no. yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah. part of it. Yeah. Okay. Whereas in Upadhi, it's not part of it. This is beautiful, Alpana. Thank you so much. In oh. fact, it reminds me of the question that I asked, right? Sometime back, you know, how many of you uh, know Aham Brahmasmi? Okay. I think it, the question is like, you know, from where do you answer that, uh, that, that answer? Okay. Right. If you know that you are Aham Brahmasmi and that comes from your mind, then it is decision, I guess. And if it comes yeah. from it can't come from anywhere else, but uh, but you know that it is Aham Brahmasmi. Correct. Then it is. Then you yes, know the what's the change, Correct. The only change it is required is change it from Visheshan to Upadhi. That's yeah. it. This is very, very beautiful. Thank you for explaining this. Yeah. So you would have dropped that, uh, drop the, uh, the Visheshan. Yeah. So does this, uh, I mean, I remember last week and I looked it up uh, when you explained something around this phrase called, um, is it called uh, Yatirek? Anve, 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 so in yeah. some ways it's similar, right? Where you're saying A depends on B, sorry, B depends on A, but A doesn't depend on B, right? A is in, sorry, B a depends on B, A, so, sorry, but B yeah. is not necessarily always in A. That's right. So A has an independent existence, B doesn't Correct. kind of thing. Correct. Right. And Correct. so the so you've got to drop the 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 adjunct, if you will, so yeah. that it is just just the, the witness side of it. It's used as a tool, but not as part of you. Yeah. Correct. Correct. No, you explained it well. I mean, I I kind of uh, I mean I think a lot of this was very abstract in the mind, but the way you described it with the example was fantastic. Thanks. Sorry, Ashish, what is that? Adhya, Ropit, and Vivarta. Yeah. 
Ashish, can you ask the question? I'm sorry, I'm not able to see what you're saying for some strange reason. Yeah, no, I was asking Alpana if Adhyaropit, uh, which is way, kind of veiled, uh, so, and Vivartha appears as, seems so, to be arising from uh, the same uh, Upadhi and Vishishta. So, uh, Vivartha is another type of cause. So, we have Nimittakaran, which is eminent cause, which is uh, like the potter. And then we have Upadan Karan, which is the, uh, which is the, uh, the material cause. cause, right? So like that, we also have a Vivarth Karan. Um, so when we see a snake in the rope, now rope is not the Nimitta Karan, it is neither the Upadan Karan, because it's neither converting into snake, nor is it the one who's making the snake. So mm -hmm. that way rope is known as the Vivartakaran because without the rope, you will not see the snake. So you need some Adhishtan to, for the rope to appear. So that is, uh, that is Vivartakaran. And Adhyaropit is used along with Vivart because Vivart, because in Vivart, nothing is really created, but it only appears. So that appearing is known as Adhyaropit. Adhyaropit is the Hindi oh. word for it, imposed, because it is superimposed, superimposed yeah. on, the, on the rope. So rope is the vivart karan and uh, snake is superimposed or adhyaropit. So those those are the... Uh, but isn't, uh, isn't upadana and nimitta karan, karan also a vivarta? No. So upadana karan, the material converts into it. So like the clay converts into a pot. So yes, clay is uh, upadana. Not, yeah. hmm. But rope doesn't convert into snake. At the same time, without the rope, you can't see the snake. Similarly, nimitta karan is the one which helps. So the potter, the chakra, the wheel, the, uh, you know, the danda that we use, all those are the nimitta karan. Without them, also the pot can't be made. Without but the isn't water, isn't, uh, isn't the uh, rope and snake analogy essentially to explain that that uh, the world appears correct what it is not right but in the world exactly. is so that's also, why that's why the world, rope. yeah that's, that's why rope. Rope. but then correct. sorry I'm just trying to kind of connect the two so you're right I mean the rope is basically the snake is is just appearing which is the nature of Maya, right? But then Maya also is created through the Nimitta Upadana uh, process, so, right? Brahman is always the Vivartha Karan because without Brahman, Maya Shakti cannot be there. But Maya but, is both the Nimitta and the Upadana Karan. But is Maya the Nimitta Upadana Karan or Brahman is the Nimitta? I thought Bra no, Brahman is no. the Nimitta and uh, Upadana Karan. No, Brahman is never, because Brahman doesn't convert into these objects. It's only appearance and hence the, the same example. So Brahman... Through the power of Maya, of course. Through the power of, uh, through the power through of the, Maya. Through the power of Maya, Maya only converts. Prakriti converts, no? these gudas are converting. So that's why uh, Brahman is the Vivartha Karan and Maya is the Nimitta Karan and uh, 
the tamas gun of prakriti are the upadankara which are also called as maya but uh, but in that sense the uh, upadana and uh, mittakaran are vibhartha because they are not true right i mean yeah, so in, still... in reality nothing is made <laughs> it's all exactly that's what i meant yeah. correct that's true. what sadhya wrote yeah okay correct no thank you Alpana. thank you for that so uh, you know i think i'm trying to connect the dots right so um, when we normally refer to ishwara okay um ishwara is not uh, the nirguna brahman it's the saguna brahman so yeah. nirguna brahman is that vivarta who is manifesting or or if manifesting as his entire universe including the ishwara who creates this universe. so ishwar manifests it with maya so ah, sorry ishwara, uh, ishwara manifests it uh, ishwara manifests this entire entire universe whereas as individual jivas we uh, we manifest only certain limited part of what what we are uh, yeah correct. yeah correct yeah absolutely yeah. so I'm going back to my notes hmm. sorry sorry go ahead alpana no go ahead i was just saying that uh, ishwar is actually maya and the the brahman it occupies and the reflection of that in maya in tatva bodh we had done that right yeah yes i was i was kind of recollecting my notes uh, from swami sarvapriyananda and he said ishwara is basically uh, consciousness plus maya right? consciousness plus maya plus the rc in maya plus the rc in maya right yeah and so ishwara, and and he called reflected he, he consciousness phrase, okay. he used the phrase called ishwara is the abhinna nimitta upadana karan correct so ishwara right, so is not yeah because it's a combination of the two it's not like just maya yeah so so it can't do anything without brahman anyways because of course yeah shakti man se shakti alag nahi ho sakti you can't have a shakti without a shakti man <laughs> yeah fair enough fair enough okay no thanks a lot that's helpful subo no i was just trying to add uh, to that example which uh, was coming up right the snake and the rope i think there is a there's a statement also it says that um oh, uh, i'm not in them but they are in me right right uh, which is coming in the i think 12th uh, shloka the so ghost of is, your weekend uh, had risen for me alone that yeah. one yeah so that's a little tricky one to also understand right and that i'm not in them but they are in me right so this is exactly also an example where that snake and rope uh, comes in picture right uh, the the this rope is not in the snake but the you know uh, what, what do i say i mean uh, um, you can see the rope uh, snake because there is a rope but it is not the other way around right um, so so that's exactly uh, the other point i wanted to just add to that example because that is also a slightly difficult concept to understand yeah Uh, when you say i'm not in them but they are in me so similarly the the waves are there in the ocean but you know it is not the other way around yeah so those are the same kind of examples that is being quoted here yeah i think when to explain creation if you use the mud and pot example i think it's a little bit more easier but to explain dissolution i think snake and rope is better yeah
So just to make sure I under, I, I am clear, uh, uh, this statement, right? The ghost of your vision had risen from me alone in as much as I alone lent to its existence. But I, the post, am not in the ghost. Post not in the ghost. Post not in, uh, not in the ghost, right? So what I'm interpreting it as, Everything, the universe has come out because of me, but I am not in them per se. Is that, is that the right uh, uh, interpretation? No, when no. Says, uh, so when you see a lamppost, when you uh, see a lamppost and you mistake it as a ghost, who mistakes it? Whose problem? Is there a ghost at all there? Huh, there's no ghost. Fine. Yeah. But the so post who is mistakes, there. Who mistakes that lamppost for a ghost? Uh, it is me. Me as in the uh, the person who has identified uh, with the mind and body or the ahankara right. here. Okay. Right. So there's no ghost at all. So the entire world is not there at all. The universe that you see today is not there at all. It's only Brahman. But somehow there's a fundamental mistake that's happened with us where we are seeing that. We are seeing the ghost. Hmm. Uh, so another way to yeah what what uh, uh, Rajesh is saying is absolutely fine. Another way to look at it is uh, that um, so because Ishwar is the cause of whatever you know is being made, so. Hmm. So the cause can never be in the product because cause is much larger, right? So the clay is so much in the world. The whole clay can't exist in a pot because oh, a pot okay. is very limited. But so, there is some clay, but it is not all. Is the... some clay, but not all clay, right? So oh, pot exists in the clay but clay cannot exist in pot because when you say clay exists in pot, that means the world's entire clay needs to exist in that pot. Ah, 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 That's another way to comprehend yeah. it that uh, the cause can never be in the in the in the product effect. Whereas effect is not there without the cause at all. <laughs> Hence, it is in the the pot is in the clay because pot is limited. It is in the clay. It is clay and clay. A clay pot, I mean. <laughs> when the cause is removed, the effect does not, yeah. no longer remains, right? Yes. Yeah. Correct. And, and the deeper understanding another... is what Rajesh was saying. Yeah. That the cause yeah. is not there. The product is not there at all. Yeah. See, and maybe it's 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 it also appears. a good idea. I think we talk about this. Uh, the other example, I don't know the technical name, and maybe Alpana, you you should help me here on that. The the thing is, you know, there's a way at different stages when we think about how the uh, how the entire world comes into existence. There's one stage in our thinking when we think that there is it exists as if something has transformed from A to B, like you know, a milk becoming yogurt. Okay. 
there's some process that happens. You know, you take a liter of milk, you put some yogurt into it, yogurt seed into it, and then it becomes yogurt. Okay, after some time. So in our thinking of how this universe evolved, we will get to a stage when we would think that there was something and then something happened to that. And then that converted one liter of milk converted to one liter of yogurt. Okay. But then after some time, the staging will move completely to the thinking will move completely to there was no, nothing has changed. You know, whatever was there was there already. The milk, one liter of milk was there, but somehow one liter of yogurt came in additionally. Yes, it, I think uh, another way the same thing is explained is that initially um, humans started thinking, how did this world come into existence? So the primitive religions came into place that there is a God and he made this universe. So universe is different from God and he made this universe. But as time progressed, people started questioning if only God existed in the beginning, where did he get the material from? So then they started saying, oh, okay, God was there and some of God got converted into this exactly like milk and uh, yogurt. So some part of God has converted into this universe. So he becomes abhinna nimitta upadan And then when you progress further, that only God is. So what you see, there is no, whether you see it as conversion or not, but it is God. So in terms of uh, milk and uh, yogurt, the molecules are the same. They're just rearranged in different, in slightly different, or atoms are the same, but they've gotten converted. So then that becomes that it's only atoms this this uh, uh, milk and everything is just a name and a form given and the name and form changes but the underlying thing is same and name and form is given by us for transactional purpose so that is created by us so so those are the three, three stages that one is on, one is there's a personal God who created this universe, then personal God itself became, you know, part of universe. And then, you know, there's nothing, only God is and rest everything is just appearance on that God. Yeah. Abrahamic religions follow the first, first path. Yeah. They say there's a God separate who took seven days to create this world. Yeah. No, six days and one day he rested. That's the uh, nice way of Dvaita, Vishishta Dvaita, Nadvaita. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Super, you were saying. But in a way, in, in a way uh, the whole concept of Brahman and Maya is just an appearance, right? The conversion of this milk into you know, milk products is really a it's something that happens in the transactional world, which is Maya through the Panchabhutas converting into multiple things, at least from a transactional point of view, not in reality, of course. Right. Okay. So the so the the Brahman and Maya relationship is one of Vivarta. Right? Correct. And and the Maya within within Maya, you have these kind of one thing changing into something else. Yes, so that Parinam word, of. yes, happens within Maya, but sort of. Because if you think in a movie, sort of, yeah. 
ஒரு so it's easier to understand the example of a milk moving into a yogurt because the time is you know maybe maximum 10 hours or 12 hours right but when you uh, when you look at this entire universe and say okay hey what has converted from where and then you go back go back <laughs> keep it okay um, uh, this is you know uh, uh, let's say let's say that the food has come from the uh, the uh, plants and the plants has come from you know the five elements and the five elements have come from where when you keep doing that analysis there's a huge element of time that you would probably start drawing out in a dimension i'm i'm just using the word not to compare to the milk and yogurt analogy right and then after some time you get lost in the whole thing say okay what you know what happened you know i i don't understand all those things are very difficult for me to understand to go to the root cause i might as well say okay there's one intermediate cause that that is there somewhere and then i will deal with it in the transactional world but that's that's okay from a transactional world perspective because uh, you know you need those names and forms so you can say that, okay yeah i i'm eating food food has come from trees and trees took millions of years to come by from where did the tree tree grow from tree grew from the space and all that stuff. so am i eating the space then you know am i eating the air am i eating you know water then we in our thinking which is okay at the end of the day whatever i'm eating is just this panchabhutas but then you say where do you where does this panchabhuta come from then you say okay oh everything is coming from the sun okay now then okay that means basically it's all transformation of the sun's energy into this thing there is okay where did the energy from the sun come from then finally you lend up in the shloka saying that brahma arpanam brahma havihi brahmagno brahmano that's it but that's that's really hard to understand that எனர்ஜி <laughs> and uh, we all also say that you know effect is nothing but the cause itself manifested in different forms right that's one way of looking at it but that again is in some way uh, trying to separate the creator and the creation in two different uh, aspects in bundles right and that itself is avidya and that is maya maya itself is uh, what it is not right so when you see the effect uh, you don't get to see what exactly is behind it you only see a projection of what is uh, being said uh, you know what is actually being manifested so uh, end of the day i mean in the sense uh, you know finally you go on to this realization right that uh, the effect and cause are nothing but uh, you know uh, the same thing right so finally there is only brahman as existence and nothing else right um so i think that was very beautiful and uh, i was also trying to hit upon shloka number 14 and 15 because we still have 
you know, sitting on 12 and 13 in terms of understanding Maya, right? Um, but I think 14 is where I think um, there has a reference again to uh, the fact that if God himself says that, you know, that Maya is very difficult to transcend, and uh, the only option is uh, Sharanagati to surrender because uh, Maya bows down only to the Supreme, right? Uh, and it has a link to basically the Sarvadharma Paritya Sloka 1866 in the 18th chapter where he says that if you really have to transcend Maya, uh, you know, it is important for us to actually surrender to the Lord. And of course, the 15th chapter, uh, 15th Sloka talks about, uh, you know, the four different kinds of people. And sometimes when I look at it, you know, the lazy one is something that I'm really watchful on because sometimes we tend to also postpone a lot of stuff, <laughs> you know, uh, saying that we will do it later, you know. Uh, one classic example is uh, the Sandhya Vandana that we're expected to do. We give enough excuses and, you know, laziness takes over and we try to postpone it. But I think uh, that was a little bit of a, uh, you know, a jolt for me to, you know, look back and see where I can improve on. So those were the few other reflections on 14 and 15. Yeah. No, I, I, I really kind of found 15 super powerful because it's kind of very hard hitting. It says, why don't we surrender? And it's a great sort of shloka in my view for self-reflection. So where is it that we're kind of, you know, not adding up? I mean, it, either you're ignorant or lazy or deluded or demonic. And uh, probably, you know, one or more of them are true for most of us. Certainly all four are probably true for me. <laughs> Wait for the next one. You'll realize you do fall in a few of those categories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think you fall in probably all four of them. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, one no, of no. the four we, we talked about, uh, Ajay? Ignorant? Either you're ignorant or lazy or deluded or demonic. That's number okay. Where did you guys come across lazy? I didn't see lazy anywhere. Uh, it's in the explanation, I thought, which uh, Rajesh and Subhu put up. Oh, okay. No, no, Ajay, I've said uh, the positive side of it. When he talks about four types of devotees, you will realize that you fall, fall into them One of... somewhere or the other. <laughs> so, somewhere so... or the other, yeah. Maybe multiple, <laughs> so it's not as negative as you're thinking now at the moment. <laughs> okay, no, I don't know. I just feel like, yeah, I mean, why are we not surrendering? <laughs> no, I, I'm, I'm more at the root cause as to why are we not surrendering, right? Or why we, why don't we have that, what is the word? Pra, pra, pradyanti, no, sorry. Pradyanti, yeah. yeah. I think Nara Adamaha is the word you are looking for. Uh, yeah, okay. Nara Adamaha so is another like one. Like lazily yeah. follow one's lower nature, that is Nara Adamaha. <laughs> the animal instincts, basically. Yeah. 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 So is it referring to animal instincts? Lower nature, basically. Yeah. Lower nature. Okay. Yeah, Naradma is uh, is I think uh, yeah lower nature, which is at some level instinct like instinct uh, like animals who, like animals who don't think or who cannot sort of rationalize these things. So I think that's why Ajay that thirteen shloka is that's why that key message was there that at least believe that, you know, uh, something is beyond these triguna. Yeah. That's why One more addition, I think the 714 is the first time Bhagavan uses the word Maya. So, so oh, far right? in Bhagavad Gita. Yes. So far, he has not used this word Maya. It's like a new keyword. He suddenly throws and says, uh, yeah. 
I think Subhu mentioned a nice point. Maya itself means not which. Ma not na which. and Ma. yas, which, yeah. that which is not. Yeah. Yeah. So Just to add on to a little bit on, on the symbolism, I think I mentioned this in the past. Uh, you know, if you look at uh, uh, Tirupati Balaji uh, statue, right? The Tirupati Balaji statue is always depicted with uh, Lakshmi on his chest. And uh, uh, it's like a mole, you know, it, apparently it's like a big mole, okay? And, you know, you cannot separate out the mole from uh, the person. So the way the the uh, symbolification of that is that Maya is always attached with uh, Brahman. That's what the symbolism of that means. So uh, I had, you know, I had an interesting, uh, you know, thought process going on yesterday when I was reading this shlokas, right? So uh, if you look at the first uh, six chapters of the Gita, you know, it talks about, uh, this, you know, a, a human problem, and then it talks about the solution for the human problem, and then it talks about various things, what the individual can do, and karma yoga, and all all that stuff. But here when, you know, he's saying, you know, even if you do, he seems to be indicating that even if you do how much ever karma yoga, you might still wallow in the same, you know, quote unquote, the, um, uh, you know, inexhaustible maya, if I can use that word. And therefore, he's saying, okay, the other path that you should follow is uh, surrender. No? surrender. So that's a pretty interesting uh, way of saying, okay, you know, karma yoga, you know, you can do whatever karma yoga that you can do, you know, maybe you will end up with maybe at the highest level of sattvic karma yoga work, but you will still not get out of it unless until you surrender unto me. Yeah. I think Ramanujacharya's Vishishta Advaita has like a very strong foundation on 714 because it claims, Bhagavan himself has claimed that this maya cannot be crossed without me, so just surrender unto me and hence... Uh, yeah. Now, sometimes I think I'm a Visishtha Dvaitan. <laughs> sometimes I think I'm a Dvaitan, I'm a Dvaitan also. <laughs> we have to go through that path, right? Like you have to start as Dvaitan, go through Visishtha Dvaita to Advaita. Yeah. Makes sense, yeah. But they are very powerful shlokas, actually. Yep, yeah. The surrender yeah, in some ways is... Yeah, yeah, this... So I'm going to say, uh, if you look at sort of Karma Yoga or Jnana Yoga, for that matter. Surrender, I mean, at least apparently is doesn't require much effort, right? I mean, you just need to put your faith in... I mean, it, it may not be easy. You look at it. Yeah, it depends easy. how you look at it. But I mean, it should be the easiest, but it doesn't... I mean, it doesn't come naturally. It's, yeah. It's absence of ego, right? So yeah. it's a big thing. It's absence of ego, exactly. <laughs> and so if you can drop your ego, which is the hardest part... Yeah. 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 By the way, I've been listening to, you know, just out of some random sort of uh, thing in my YouTube feed. I've been listening to Sri M last few days. Yeah, uh, he's wonderful. Yeah. And and he is so big on dropping, cutting ego. I mean, he, he just kind of, every, every lecture he just talks about how do you kind of remove the ahamkara. Amazing. You know, you know, Swami's you know, these Swamiji's, what they say is, uh, one of the things that is being prescribed to all the saints, right, to drop ego and pride is to go for Diksha. So to go from? Diksha. Diksha. Right. 
so if you um, you know what i understand of that is that you know typically when they are expect to eat they they are supposed to take a bowl uh, of a certain size and go around and only call out for bhiksha you know in a particular house not more than a certain time you know you can't wait and you have to move on from one house to the other but you can just call out for this uh sorry my connection is not so great huh? sorry rajesh i don't know whether you can hear me yeah yeah, yeah. Can. okay so so they are supposed to go from one house to the other house and you know and they are not supposed to call out for food of any sort they have to accept whatever is given to them um and at the same time they're not supposed to do it more than once or twice or something and then they move on to the next house etc yeah. so this is one of the uh things that people say that you know reduces and actually diminishes your ego to a large extent because you need you start facing rejections you start accepting things the way they are okay and uh, it sort of uh, diminishes the pride and ego that you have in you so bhiksha is one way of uh, you know reducing the ego is uh, what i understand from the swami goes yeah 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 it's hard to eat the same thing for breakfast lunch and for dinner yeah and you're supposed to take whatever is given to you right there is no second question on it's a mix of everything in the pot right so eat what is required and that's about Correct. it and once the pot is full like you just don't have to you know go for big shy again you have to stop finish and then move on now. Yeah, and those of us who is doing chatur masa this time, maybe we should try that. <laughs> <laughs> Take a bowl of uh, you know adequate size. <laughs> yeah, never ask for anything; just eat what you get. Just eat what you get. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Good idea. Mm. I mean, even if you don't do so, because maybe we can try it at home. You know, whatever is served on the plate, we should eat. You know, it is salty or you know spicy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Actually, I tried this. You know, sometime back, uh, I tried saying that uh, I'm not going to add extra salt or uh, anything to the food if it doesn't suit my taste. And I said I'm just going to eat it, whatever it is. If there's more salt, I'll eat it. But after a few days, it's really hard to do it. It takes a lot of uh, willpower to not to say okay, oh, you know, salt <laughs> kam hai or salt jada hai. You know, not to say that it's it's really hard. You can eat it, but you can you cannot say. You cannot think of it. I tried practicing that when I was in the Philippines, man. My only restriction was I don't want meat. You give me anything vegetarian, they would just give vegetables boiled in water. <laughs> Sorry, Subo. Uh, no, no, I'm saying I thought bits. Uh, you know, stay for four years with uh, the kind of food we used to get in the mess. Actually, helped us to gain some amount of, you know, tolerance to this. Yeah. Now you're making the connection. You know, all the experiences are preparing us for only one thing. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to tell the tell the joke. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. No, no, no. So, so Swami P, and this is how you get rid of Maya. So on that, he says. um he was giving example how when you tell one lie you have to continue to tell many lies to support that lie and he said um somebody asked he said there may be some curious student so he asked how this this world come into being now because brahman can't be the karan ka- of anything so he so so then they had to come up with the concept of ishwar or maya 
But now they said, why Ishwar creates? Is it randomly created? Then they came up with the concept of kar, uh, karma theory. <laughs> then they kept on saying, okay, now what? when was the first karma created? <laughs> then they came up with the concept of it is anadi. Then they said, okay. <laughs> they said, just to support that one lie, you keep saying it. So it is all lie, this Maya. <laughs> That's and Good he himself one. starts laughing. <laughs> this is really nice. <laughs> I know. That's beautiful. Like, that would be really funny. Huh? Seriously funny it would be. Yeah, but uh, yeah, if you get a link for that uh, talk, please help us. Uh, help us. I'm not able to go to those uh, Swami T's, uh, these things at all. Yeah, something, my, my server is not allowing my, something with my work laptop, I think. Hmm. But he's right. already yeah. logged into uh, live or Google Drive. So in our Gita Satsang group description, there is a link to a doc. The doc has linked to the various uh, drive folders. Some of them are in Google Drive, some of them are in OneDrive. And then I think if you are logged in, then you can go to those directories and then be able to download them. Yeah. So, so, so his thing, he ended with the solution is that move away from the triangular format of Jagat, Jeev and Ishwar to the binary format, Atma and Anatma. And Atma is truth, Anatma is Mithya. So he yeah. said, as as he said, it'll be good for me more than you if you all move from Ishwar. <laughs> he was really in a very funny mood. And he said, it'll be even better for me if you yeah. all move from that to binary format. And then it's like much easier. Yeah. yeah two is better than three. When we're talking about Advaita. <laughs> the one day when we realize that all these things, what we're doing, if it is much much ado about nothing, you know, then I think you will find it very funny, it looks like it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, 7.32. I think we will conclude. Awesome session today. Yeah. Mm. Oh, Sarve Bhavantu Sukinaha Sarve Santu Niramaya, Sarve Bhadrani Pashyantu, Makaschid Dukkabhagabhavet, Om Shanti 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 Shri Guru Bhyonamaha, Harihi Om. Bye. Have a good weekend. See you next weekend. Bye. Hari Om.